been in this series on the habits of the early church, and one of their habits was that habit of generosity, um, which we are celebrating today, which is accomplishing and reaching the goals um, around the stewardship campaign. And uh, one of the other things that is actually impressive, just like some of the background of how some churches tend to work, is a lot of times when um, an organization takes on a special campaign, uh, it means that other giving kind of drops, right? So, oh, we're going to do this special campaign, and there's regular tithes and offerings, and so that kind of, typically, you'll see a little bit of a drop there, and you guys have faithfully given where there hasn't been a drop. A drop. Uh, it's not just a redirecting of funds that were being given to something else. It was truly an extra gift um, above and beyond to care for this place. And so um, that, too, is, is impressive. And I just can't uh, kind of express enough, like just the, uh, yeah, I brag about you guys all the time. Basically, is what I'm saying. Um, we talk about, we use the word, you know, the little church that could. And, uh, Peggy likes to add the, the mighty little church that could uh, in there. And just the amount of things uh, and engagement in the community, loving on one another, checking in on each other. Um, it is truly commendable. And so as we talk about generosity today, my hope really is that it's a celebration of that generosity and not a lecture that you all ought to be generous. So hopefully I can carry the right tone um, through it. One of the, uh, you know, it's kind of going through various study pieces and just trying to figure out, like, what, what is the actual definition of generosity? And then I love it in the English language when I start doing word searches. It's like, well, the definition of generosity is to be generous. Oh, well, that, that cleared that right up. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but, but, so I have these different pieces that I just want to share. Generosity comes from a sincere and pure desire of the heart to give. And a sincere and pure desire when it is truly generous. Another definition says a showing a readiness to give more of something, such as money or time, that is strictly necessary or expected. Giving more than is necessary or expected. Uh, it references the idea of that abundance piece that we're giving. Um, not just here's what's expected of me, right? We kind of talk about this when we do work with teenagers, too. Uh, that we should be able to say yes and. At BPM, it's one of our, our cultures around generosity. Like, if somebody comes and they need, like, hey, can I get a sandwich? Yes, and would you like some cold water? Um, and I always challenge, like, kids, like, hey, imagine if you took this yes and you went home. And your parents were like, hey, would you take out the garbage? And you as a kid would respond, yes, and would you like me to sweep the floor? Right? Now, there may be medical emergencies involved uh, at that point, right, with parents, but, but if yes and became a part of a culture that we actually lived out, like, hey, could you help me with this? Yes, and would you? What is the above and beyond? Not just what is necessary, not what is just expected, but to really give out of an abundance. Yes, and. And it could be a simple two-word phrase that can change our environments, whether it's our church, our home, our workspace, our culture, to live out yes, and. Um, we also, uh, my founder, the founder of 
because people matter recently came to Night Strike and gave the encouraging word before we went out and served on the street, um, which is also challenging. I know that you all think I talk a lot sometimes, uh, but I think he talks a lot sometimes. And our encouraging word is supposed to be like, you know, a quick little two, three minute, just kind of a get people focused again before we head out the door. And I, he always does a mini sermon. And I try to remind him, this is an encouraging word, five minutes, not a sermon, but, but he goes on and on. I don't, must, yeah, something about us type that do that. I usually end service on time, however. Uh, so my founder reminded me, he kept reminding that people who are generous never have empty hands. Right? They, sometimes we think when, when things are tight, um, that, that we almost like, oh, well, we got to hold on to things. we got to kind of pull back a little bit. But if we're generous, and we're truly living generous, and we're extending those things to other people, and our hands are open because we are freely giving, then our hands are open and we can freely receive. And generous people's hands are never empty. Whether it's going out or coming in, it puts us in a position. Um, and he went on to argue that it also means that people who are generous have, and have open hearts, that our hearts are never empty. So often people who come to serve will say, like, on the reflection of the night, it is more about, like, I got so much out of this. Showing up to help other people, to bring socks down, to do generosity, we got so much out of it. And scripture, as it talks in this early church, as we're looking at, we'll take a look at them, uh, caring for one another, checking in on one another's needs. It talks about this mutual um, just respect of being a one heart, one mind. And there wasn't belonging, there wasn't need. Um, people were giving generously, and, and things were happening. And there was a focus to it, right? There's a, the goal of the church and the church being generous is to compel the mission of the church and the gospel. And that hopefully by taking care of our building, it will propel the, the ministries and the programs and the projects. It's not just like, oh, we have a great building. But as we've been generous to care for um, this, hopefully it goes forward. There's another term around generosity and it's stewardship. Um, a stewardship sometimes can be a little bit of a weird word. If you go on a cruise, there are stewards to kind of take care of you. Um, and take care of mostly it's the, the physical things to make sure that you have a pleasant experience. Um, they'll carry your bags, they door, you know, all of that. They're taking care of all the physical stuff so you can be there. But the idea of stewardship, in real simple terms, uh, carries the idea that you actually don't own and specifically Christian stewardship, you actually don't own anything that you have. Everything that you have has been given to you as a gift from God. Therefore, it is not yours. You are simply entrusted with it. Right? So, uh, my car is not actually my car. It's God's car. He has simply entrusted me with it. So when it comes to like, oh, there are people in need, or what do we use this for? There's a cause, there's a mission, there's a whatnot. It's not like, oh, that clothes are like, oh, but this is mine, and this is mine, and, and but open-handed because it's none of it's mine to begin with. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of heavenly lights. And if we really believe that, then we're gonna live 
generously. For the longest time when I lived in Olympia, I had neighbors that came by all the time. And uh, at that time, I also didn't lock my door. And I would just get a call like, hey, I borrowed your truck. <laughs> all right. And they would just come in and they knew where the keys were and they would grab the keys and they would go and take my truck and it was just always out and about. Um, I don't, you know, won't leave my doors unlocked in Portland at this point. But uh, there was this point where it was just that. It was, it was really this idea. Uh, but with the idea of stewardship too, it also comes with responsibility. Right? It's not just, hey, this is free and this is for everyone and people can come and take bricks because they aren't mine to begin with. So if you need a brick, you know, we have plenty of them on the outside of our building. Take what you need. Uh, it, it's not an irresponsibility or a, a so, like, let's just give, give, give free because then if we gave away everything from this building or this place, where would we be? With the mission, because again, the focus being on to propel the ministry of, of the gospel, the work of God. If we gave everything away, we would be empty resources. What could we do? Um, and so there's this responsibility, and sometimes it's hard because, you know, there's so many scriptures, and I could read and pull these out, that like, oh, give, give generously, give out of sacrifice, give, and, and oh, if you're not living as a, as a pauper with just... Then, then you're not really spiritual. And we could argue and manipulate scripture to try to push you to this realm of you should give everything sacrificially. And, and it's like, oh, but we need to be responsible for this. If you read through the whole the Old Testament where David is building um, the temple and, and Solomon and, and all of the, you know, the palace and all, it's, there's so much attention to detail. There's this, this part like it has to not just be done, it has to be done right by skilled laborers and cared for and, and what and, and we're supposed to also use wisdom in that. And so there's sometimes this tension like, well, I want to give freely. And yet I also believe that we're supposed to be responsible. And sometimes we're even in a spot where like, I don't know what to do. I don't like, ah. or I want to do more. Right, and motivated. The person who came and talked about the mission or the program, they were very compelling, and, and it makes me want to like empty my savings account and just give all to this cause because it was so compelling. And they had great graphics, and, and they told a story, and it moved my heart, and I want to just give up. But we also have to take care of ourselves. And so there's this tension um, that I personally find around this idea of stewardship. How do we live generously and yet also be responsible and carry integrity to be good stewards? I'm going to read this paragraph too. Biblical worldview of stewardship uh, is defined as utilizing and managing all resources God provides for the glory of God and the betterment of His creation. The central essence of biblical worldview stewardship is managing everything God brings into the believer's life in a manner that honors God and impacts eternity. Um, are we actually that, that good story? If you even think of Adam and Eve, right? When they were um, created, their first job was they were put into creation. God had made creation, and there's still the birds and the animals and the waterfalls and the, all of that. And God was like, ah, it's not quite there. So he made humankind. 
for relationship and whatnot. And, and humankind's first job was as environmentalists. Took Adam and Eve and said, care for creation. Be stewards over the land. Um, and, not, and for your enjoyment, for your, you know, food and all of that, and it goes into the, you know, tree of wisdom and knowledge with a separate sermon. Uh, but it was, it was to care for the land. That it would be fruitful, that it, but, but not taken advantage of. Right? So what is, so even from the beginning of creation, stewardship is, is entwined into the idea of generosity. Uh, in Acts, because we're talking about the early believers, I'm going to read this paragraph here to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. It says, The whole group of, of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one claimed a private ownership of any possession, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimonies to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many uh, who owned lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each and any as they had need. There was a Levite, a native of Cyprus named Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, which I also think is probably the coolest name in all the Bible, to be called the son of encouragement. Uh, he sold his field that belonged to him and then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So the early church, one heart, one mind, caring for everybody as they had need, is selling all of their land and their possessions and bringing it. There's one, kind of after this, it goes into a story of a specific couple who uh, sold their land and then decided to only bring half the money. Uh, and it didn't end up so well for them, but it wasn't because they gave half. It was that they tried to be deceitful about it. But it says that anyone, as you have need, or as you, again, this trying to tie to the wisdom, they weren't required to. They could have it was their land. They were stewards of it. They could have kept half and given half. But it was almost this deceitfulness around it that uh, wasn't particularly cared for. But I love the passage because it says that the one heart, one mind. Um, I have another little clip that I pulled from an article on Christian stewardship. It says, Christian stewardship refers to the responsibilities that Christians have in maintaining and using wisely the gifts that God has bestowed. God wishes human beings to be his collaborators in the work of creation, redemption, and sanctification. Increasingly, this has been referred to as environmental protections, uh, but in Christian ministries, specifically re referencing their treasure, their time, and their talent. Um, so when we talk about being generous also, it is not just the finances, right? We have some financial skills, and that's great. But some of us don't have a lot of that. But we have skills. Are we generous with our talents? Right? I grabbed some of the little pew supports, and Shiana was going up to her grandpa's, and I was like, hey, Grandpa John, could you, if we send this up, like, could, could we do these? Uh, and he took his talent. He's a great woodworker. It's what he had to offer. 
So he was generous with his time, because it took a little while in a hot wood shop that I now owe him a favor for, perhaps. Um, but uh, it was his, his time and talent that he was generous with. I think one of the things that we talk about this in terms of especially people who are experiencing brokenness, most people who are experiencing emotional trauma, brokenness, challenge on their life and journey, they don't really need your money. They don't necessarily want you to talent and come in and let me fix this for you. But your presence, the ability to show up and simply sit beside someone who is struggling with no intent on being able to fix it, maybe. But just to be present, that generosity of time, the generosity of showing up and being present, has a dramatic impact. And so as they talk about generosity, when it talks about specifically stewardship, referring specifically to time, talent, and treasure. Uh, and I wanna, I'm gonna challenge a little bit still, uh, I'm gonna lean into wisdom a little bit. So one of the fun things in scripture, when you look at scripture and it has stories, one of the questions you always have to ask is, uh, were the actions in scripture divinely inspired? Or there's an argument from a lot of theologians that a lot of the text is simply divinely recorded. Right? So uh, the early church sold all of their possessions. They were selling their fields, their houses, and they were bringing it to the apostles' feet, and they were giving and taking care of everyone. Was that action inspired by the Holy Spirit? Or was it simply something that was happening, and it was divinely recorded so we can learn from it? Uh, and there's all sorts of debates around there, but, uh, and the reason I bring this in is because there's also a point where there's, God uses a donkey to kind of talk to one of the prophets, so, is that where, you know, is that the intended way, or, anyways, uh, it also gives me hope, because if God can teach somebody through the mouth of a donkey, then there's hope for all of us right now, because God can use me as well in this moment, uh, because one of the things that ended up happening, right, the church in Jerusalem, I got a couple of chuckles, thank you. Uh, uh, the, the church in Jerusalem ends up, right, they sell all the possession early on, right, this is like Acts 4, they're doing this. Uh, later, it's Acts 12, I believe, where Jerusalem actually ends up, the whole area ends up experiencing a famine. And the apostles are out, like, all throughout the Mediterranean, um, planting churches and doing all of that, all of a sudden, the church of Jerusalem is in poverty. All the other churches are having to raise money to go and care for the church of Jerusalem because when the famine hit, they didn't have any more land. They sold all their land. They, they couldn't do anything about crops and trying to help people because they had no buildings. They had no land. They had sold it all. In a generous act to care for the Jerusalem at that time, there's a lot of theories as to why, some of which, at that point, a lot of people, when Jesus ascended, they thought, like, hey, I'm going to go and prepare a place for you when I come back. A lot of the early Christians thought that that would actually happen in their lifetime. And if that's going to happen in my lifetime, then I don't need a retirement, right? If I fully believe God's going to come back before uh, I pass, then I don't need a retirement. I can spend that on any ministry or mission or that I want to. Uh, and so, was it wisdom that they actually sold all of their land? 
Because later, they have no food. They have no land. They have no property. Paul is going around to various churches, Galatia, Corinth, and, and, and collecting funds to bring back so they could eat. So was it wisdom that they sold it all off? I don't know. The scripture is really quiet about it. Like, we don't actually talk about that part. We're just like, oh, we love that generousness. And then we'll talk about why it's important to give. And you go into the verses about cheerful giver and all that. We look at like, oh, look at this. They're, they're giving. They're taking up collections. And this is how you're supposed to take up collections. And, and we talk about that again and decide of like why we have to give. But, but there's also this piece of like, well, where, where's the wisdom in that? Would it have been wise if the church held on to a few fields? So it could have a community garden, make food for people, or do affordable housing, or, you know, like, all oh, this is where stewardship comes into play. Yes, and you've heard me say that I want us, as we did this campaign, I challenge everybody, lean into that generosity, but also with wisdom. Because I also think that is consistent in Scripture as well. Second Corinthians which um, is right over here. Uh, chapter 8, verse 9 says, For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. And in this matter I am giving my advice. It is appropriate for you who began last year not only to do something... Um, but even to desire to do something. Now finish doing it so that your eagerness may be matched by completing it according to your means. For if the eagerness is there, the gift is acceptable. Right? If the eagerness is there, the desire is there, your gift is acceptable. Not according to what one, um, not according to what one does not have. I do not mean that there should be relief for others and pressure on you. But it is a question of a fair balance between your present abundance and their need, so that their abundance may be for your need, in order that there may be a fair balance as it is written. The one who had much did not have too much, and the one who had little did not have too little. So even Paul, as he's doing this collections for the church, is like, yes, let's give generously, but not at the point that it creates a burden on you. Now, I don't, and this is where it gets tricky, because there's like, well, what are you saying? How do we give generously? Give generously and sacrificially? And I'm going to say, yes, sometimes. That's what God calls us to, and through prayer, because we've been talking about these other habits of leaning into the Holy Spirit, the habit of prayer, habit of scripture and learning, right, to apply wisdom. Uh, it would be really nice if there was a clear-cut formula. Even uh, the tithe, which is typically 10% of giving, was a system that was in the Old Testament. As you go into the New Testament, so that most people went beyond the tithe. And the tithe was like specifically tied to a structure that wasn't even relevant anymore. But as people prayed, they gave what they could. See, like There's not even, kind of out of default, the church usually goes back to a tithe. We should be giving 10% of what comes into the church because it just it's easier to actually have a structure. But 
when God calls us to generosity and abundance and giving, there's actually not a set structure anymore that we find in the New Testament. Some gave everything. Some gave a little. Some gave none. And there's a passage of scripture where Jesus is in the temple uh, and one of the Pharisees comes and makes a big show of his giving. Look what I'm doing. Right? And, and then an older gal comes by and has just some spare change and drops it in the offering. And, and the Pharisee in this story is like, oh, Lord, thank you that I'm not like this other person who could only give so little. Right? I mean, it was really this, this prayer of arrogance and Jesus with his disciples right there just kind of chanting like, well, who gave more? Right? And if it was really focused around a dollar amount, the, the Pharisee gave more financially. He gave more actual revenue. But he points out that the pauper, that the older lady gave, that was like her last dimes. She gave 100% of what she had, as opposed to maybe more revenue, but out of abundance. And, and she gave with joy, or he gave with arrogance. And he says, who gave more? And the scripture had a, to, to determine and to give out of joy. It goes on to say, you know, God loves a cheerful giver. Um, each of you must give as you have made up your minds down in uh, chapter 9 in the same section. Each must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly and not out of compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to provide with every blessing in the abundance so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. And so not out of compulsion. And so hopefully even as we take on the projects and we begin repairing things and we still look to um, get a grant from the district and, and there's still things that need to be done, but that we can do so knowing that we come with a pure heart. We come having applied wisdom. We come having applied generosity and discerning of what needs to be done, and then we can celebrate together mutually, whether it has been giving a lot or giving a little, but that our minds are in a right spot with no deceit involved or no pressure or no like, oh, if you're a good Christian, you're going to be you know, Let's get rid of all of that nonsense. And let's lean into the mission of God. Let's lean into propelling the gospel. And giving out of generosity, but wisdom, and then let's celebrate well together what we're able to do. The challenge here falls back to you because the church isn't going to have a system of like, here's where we go, here's what we do. Uh, we simply give as we can. We give as we determine ahead of time. Uh, and, and Paul even goes to the point where he's like, I actually, even when he was traveling to visit churches, he would instruct them, do your collection ahead of time and set it aside so like we can take it. It's like, I don't want to have to do that when I'm there because I don't even want to know what people are giving and not giving. 
right? Let's do that before I get there so it doesn't get muddy. Like that we can just be together. We can celebrate together. We can worship together. We can focus on the things of God and not be distracted around some of those other pieces. And that's the heart as we lean into this. That passage in Acts that I read is that there were one mind, one heart, one soul. They were caring for one another. And I've said since I've gotten here, it's one of the pieces that you all do really well is you genuinely care for one another. Check in on one another. Follow up. Like, you guys do that piece so well. And now as we've had some building issues to deal with and we had to like talk money, which is, you know, so I'm like, oh, I don't talk too much about money in church, but we had to talk money. There's bids we have. Like, we actually have to fix the chimney. There's a dollar amount to that. We go to a masonry, you know, person. We, we, there's numbers. There's uh, bids. There's invoices. We had to pay that person. And here's the beauty. Because of the faithfulness and the generosity of the church, when we got the bill for the chimney, we paid it right away. There was no taking money out of savings. There was no taking money out of investments. Because we had planned accordingly, we had raised the money, and we were able to pay for that portion in full as it happened. For a small church with people who have more life experience than others. <laughs> really try to be generous and cautious around that part. Uh, right? And that is worth celebrating. That is worth as a church being able to like walk with character and dignity and be like, we did this. And not arrogance to the level of pride, but to be proud of one another as we came together. And again, it wasn't put on one person. It took many hands, it took many prayers, but we paid for that. And there are more repairs being planned. We're collecting bids on the other pieces to be good stewards of this property. Not just because we want a beautiful building, but because of what this building represents in the community. What it offers, how we serve the community. That's what we want to push forward. And you guys have rallied to accomplish that. You guys have pressed into generosity. We have leaned into with wisdom, looking at the different bids and how do we approach and at what time and how do we do that. You guys have faithfully been good stewards of this space. And so celebrate that. Even as we sing, let's songs, we celebrate what we have accomplished, walking hand in hand with each other and walking hand in hand with the God who leads us. Because there is more work for this church to do. And we're going to take care of the building. We're going to take care of the facilities. We're going to take care of the equipment. We're going to take care of one another. And we're going to do that well and continue to see what God has in store for us. Are you guys willing to walk that road with me? I'm here for at least one more year. <laughs> Let's pray before we uh, move to song. Father God, I am genuinely excited and thankful for this building and even the first song we did those who so long ago had vision for the future who planted and, and is here now the lives that were involved in this church back in 1968 is, as being this portion being built and the, the, the original planting there's there's a vision for future they were they were working and giving at that point for us who they didn't even know yet so that way this church could be here. And as we gather, as we rally, as we are a church who leans into generosity, 
but with a stewardship mindset of taking care of, being responsible for, we don't know the future or who might walk through the doors, who might be blessed, encouraged, supported, who may come to a knowledge of you that brings peace. Lord, I thank you that we have this beautiful building to gather in, to represent you to the community, to provide services to the community. Lord, and I pray that with joyfulness, with our own joyful hearts, that we can celebrate alongside you and that all of our efforts would honor you. We ask this in your name. Amen.